Hello, everyone. Welcome to the One Flesh Podcast. The One Flesh Podcast is all about marriage, the essential union between man and woman. Uh, we're here to discuss marriage and help young men build marriages worth having. Uh, the goal is to have guests on, have them talk about their marriages, uh, talk about things that they do uh, and how they built their marriage and how they intend to make it last. Uh, sometimes we get guests on, sometimes we don't. I'll be honest, the, the podcast is uh, kind of on coast mode right now. i got a lot of other stuff going on. Uh, I am trying to reach out to more guests. I am trying to uh, get stuff going. I just, I go through kind of seasons in life. It's it's kind of weird. I uh, go through seasons of where I need to focus on my job more, or focus on the podcast more, or focus on the house more. Uh, and then my truck breaks down and ruins it all. But uh, right now, I haven't been too hard and heavy on the guests and on the podcast, but I'm still trying to release episodes. So um, you just get me tonight. Uh, basically, this uh, this One Flesh episode... Um, I, I kind of got tired of coming on here and, uh, not really having any sort of a plan, uh, and just kind of rambling. And if you thought you were going to get anything different than that this evening, you were wrong. Um, no, I did. I actually did a little bit of research. Uh, I'm reading back through 12 rules for life. And so, uh, this evening I remembered something, uh, where Jordan basically, uh, justifies and talks about. Uh, the need for having arguments over things that a lot of people would not have arguments over. Um, he goes through and he he talks about the importance for telling the truth. I mean, that's like ninety percent of the book. There's a whole uh, there's a whole chapter in there that says always tell the truth or at least don't lie. Uh, the one that this uh, this little section in it that the rule that this section exists in this excerpt uh, is always be precise with your speech. Uh, so he's big on, on obviously vocal communication or, uh, what is that? Is it vocal communication, communication in general, um, talking with your spouse, with anybody, honestly, uh, but talking with your spouse, most of all. And so, uh, I went and I, I read this section. I was in the middle of reading, uh, cause like I said, I'm rereading it and I'm still on the first rule. And then I was like, oh man, I remember that he said something like that. And that's what I want to talk about this evening. So um, if you've got 12 rules for life, uh, which I think some of you might, this would be good, uh, before pause this, maybe you're driving or something, maybe you can't, but, uh, go read rule 10 first. I don't think it's a super long rule. Um, oh, maybe it is a, a long rule. Um, it goes from pages 259 to 282. The page that I'm specifically looking at is 272. Uh, go read rule 10, maybe pick another podcast, uh, unless you've listened to all of them. Pick another podcast, pick another episode, go listen to another episode, and then read this uh, before you listen, because I think it's going to be better if you understand it in the full context. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I didn't read the whole Rule 10 uh, today. (laughs) I've got to record today. Uh, I haven't read the whole rule. I had a lot of stuff going on with work, but that's no excuse. But yeah, go read Rule 10 and then tell me what you think. But um, basically the idea, I'll go ahead and start with the quote. Uh, What I have highlighted, he says, there's little in a marriage that is so little that it is not worth fighting about. Um, That's what I wanted to talk about today. I get, um, I tow that line very hard as far as what is worth arguing about, what is not worth arguing about, what's worth pushing and what's not worth pushing. Um, That's, I just want to share my thoughts with you and, and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough line. Uh, I often go back and forth with some of my friends, uh, often go back and forth with, uh, women, (laughs) women, women friends that we have. Uh, and of course with DLN, as far as how much do you push about what things, about what, 
Um, when do you push? When do you fight back? Uh, when do you say something? And I've, and I've talked about it a little bit here, uh, but I just wanted to kind of open up 12 rules for life and, and read a couple, couple different things. Um, so he starts here with a story that says there's no such thing as a dragon by Jack Kent. Um, basically it's, it, he says it's a simple tale, uh, that there is a, so he says, Right here, it's about a small boy, Billy Bixby, who spies a dragon sitting on the bed one morning. Uh, it's about the size of a house cat and friendly. He tells his mother about it, but she tells him there's no such thing as a dragon. So, it starts to grow. It says it eats all of Billy's pancakes. Soon, it fills the whole house. Mom tries to vacuum, but she has to go in and out of the house through the windows because of the, of the dragon everywhere. It takes her forever. Then, the dragon runs off with the house. Billy's dad comes home, and there's just an empty space where he used to live. The mailman tells him where the house went. He chases after it, climbs up the dragon's head and neck, now sprawling out into the street, and rejoins his wife and son. Mom still insists that the dragon does not exist, but Billy, who's pretty much had it by now, insists there is a dragon, Mom. Instantly, it starts to shrink. Soon, the cat it's cat-sized again. Every, everyone agrees that dragons of that size, one, exist, and two, are much preferable to their gigantic counterparts. Mom, eyes reluctantly open by this point, asks somewhat plaintively plaintively, why it had to get so big. Billy quietly suggests maybe it just wanted to be noticed. Uh, So basically, that's the moral of the story is that uh, Billy finds, and I, again, I apologize. I would, I would do double takes um, for my lack of, of reading ability on the mic, but it just get worse. It just gets worse. I can't read, I can't read out loud, so I apologize, but basically the moral of the story is that there's this dragon. It starts out as the size of a house cat. Um, He tells his mom, and uh, the mom says, no, there is no dragon, and eventually uh, the dragon just gets huge. The dragon is is very, very large, and finally it's like, oh, mom's like, okay, there's the dragon, and then the dragon shrinks back down. Uh, She says, why did it get that big? And Billy's like, well, he just wanted to be noticed. And Jordan, I'm not going to read any more to y'all. I'm not going to make y'all listen to me try to read out loud. Um, I promise I'm a little bit smarter than that than when I read out loud. But uh, basically the idea here is that um, the problems in your marriage are much like the dragon, that if we don't acknowledge them, they're only going to get bigger. They're just going to get noticed. Um, Now, there is a line. There is a line, and I'm still struggling to kind of find that line. He he comes in here and he says uh, that there, so the quote, there is little in a marriage that is so little that it is not worth fighting about. Uh, and he kind of gives this story about it, you know, a, a, a woman who comes home and, and finds her husband cheating or finds out that he's cheating. She's just absolutely devastated. And she's like, how could it ever get like this? Uh, and he's talking about how there were dragons. There were dragons that nobody addressed that eventually got so big that they must be noticed. Um, so he says, there's an oath to make, oh, so this is, yeah, this is something I want to uh, start, talk about later, but it says, oh, I can put up with that, you think, and maybe you should. You're no paragon of genuine tolerance, and maybe if you brought up how your partner's giddy laugh is beginning to sound like nails on a blackboard, he or she would tell you quite properly to go to hell. And maybe the fault is with you, and you should grow up, get yourself together and keep quiet. But perhaps braying like a donkey in the midst of a social gathering is not reflecting well on your partner, and you should stick to your guns. Um, so basically, 
what he's saying is that it, it's all circumstantial. And uh, what I like here is he says, uh, maybe the fault is with you and you should grow up, get yourself together and keep quiet. So this is something that Dylan and I kind of instinctually um, picked up on is that maybe we should check ourselves first. So what I always like to do when I think about a problem that has come up in our marriage uh, or something that I would like to discuss, I like to discuss everything. Um, if there is the slightest bit of problem at all, if I'm the slightest bit annoyed, I like to talk about it. Um, really, I think it's a lot of it just because I want to hear myself talk. Um, I think I'm a smart guy. And so uh, I just want to hear myself talk. And so I'll bring up a bunch of stupid stuff that doesn't need to be talked about um, just because I like to hear myself talk. Uh, and that's no way to live if you can't tell I'm talking, you know, sarcastically. I'm not saying that's a good thing. Um, but always before I bring something up, uh, I try to check myself and take ownership of the situation. So what he's saying is, oh, if you think that your partner's laugh is starting to sound like nails on a chalkboard, maybe you need to check yourself. Maybe it's an ego thing. Maybe you don't like the fact that she's laughing at other people's jokes or uh, maybe there's something else in your marriage that is really annoying you. Uh, maybe y'all had a, an argument two weeks ago and you're still upset about it, but she's not. And you just can't can't stand the fact that she can get over it and laugh now while you're still being a pissed off jerk. Um, so check yourself first. Have a little bit of self-awareness. Uh, and a lot of times find any way that you can take ownership of that and then try it. Try it for a week. Try it for two weeks. Try it for three weeks. Uh, take ownership of that problem. <laughs> And say, you know, any way that I can take ownership of it, I'm going to do that. And then if you still feel frustrated, um, if you feel like all of the ownership has been taken uh, and you can't um, can't resolve the issue quietly. Uh, what I like to do personally is I bring it up with D. Ellen um, and I'll tell her, look, I think that this is the issue. Uh, I think that this is this is what I have found that I don't really like. I think this is why I don't like it. I don't really think it's your fault. If you want to take ownership of it, that's fine. But I'm going to take ownership of these aspects uh, that that bug me. Um, if you want to take ownership of some things, if you want to bring your laugh down a couple notches, uh, do that. If you think that your laugh is fine, okay, that's okay. But I'm trying to take ownership. Bring it up to her. Maybe just talking about it helps. Uh, and that's helped us a lot where she'll be like, she'll jump on it and she'll take ownership of it. Uh, even if she thinks she's not 100% in the wrong, she'll find a place where she can take ownership of it. And after two weeks of us both taking ownership of the issue, no big deal. Now, let's say that even still she's trying to take some ownership or she didn't feel like she needed to take any ownership. She's, you told her that you were working through it uh, and it still just annoys you. It still just like annoys you or there's something not right about it. You feel like it's not right. This is when I'll reach out to a friend. Uh, I'll have a friend check. And what I say is, hey, man what do you think about this? Um, what do you, what do you think? Uh, and typically, typically what I do is I'm not very concerned about how at fault they think D. Ellen is. I'm more concerned about how out, at fault they think I am. Uh, and I know that's kind of six in one, half a dozen in the other, but what, what do I mean by that? A lot of people would say, <laughs> a lot of my friends are more adverse to talking about it and bringing it up than I am. And so I'm not necessarily looking for them to say, yeah, you should bring it up with her or no, man, I wouldn't really bring it up. I would leave it alone. I don't really care more. I don't really care about that. What I care more about is the ways that they say it's my fault. Um, you know, cause friends will say, yeah, man, that sounds really annoying. 
that sounds like it's it's something that she's doing that that could be fixed, but I just wouldn't really bring it up. It's not worth the fight. I hear that a lot. It's not worth the fight. It's not worth the fight. And so what I do look for is little hints of ways that it could be my fault, ways that maybe I'm missing the 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 opportunity to take ownership. Um, and then sometimes, and then sometimes my friends will lay out a path of saying, "Hey, man, this is going to work itself out. It's not really worth the fight." Just have some patience. It'll work itself out. And I, and I do take that advice. Um, I'll say, okay, I'll back off. Uh, but eventually, sometimes I just, sometimes I think it needs to be dealt with. And so if I've done those checks, if I've determined that I've taken the right amount of ownership, if I've determined that, um, you know, I'm not, it's not an ego thing, it's not uh, pedantic, it's not a power trip on my part, uh, and that it's really something that needs to be solved. Uh, let's say like this isn't real in the marriage. It would be the other way around if anything, but money issues. Um, let's say that she just keeps buying those expensive ass coffees. I mean, like she's going out there every day and she's spending eight damn dollars on an espresso every single day. Um, and we just, I mean, that's $8 a day times 30. What is that? That's like 240 bucks a month. We can't afford this. Um, I'm going to take ownership of the situation. I'm going to try to help find a cheaper way to do it, which a lot of times wouldn't wouldn't really be uh, very enjoyed by the wife. You know, she's not going to be like, oh, yeah, let's I enjoy my coffees. Let's find a cheaper way to do it. But uh, maybe I, I can find something that's just a little bit cheaper or find a place that makes them cheaper and take her to go try it. Or uh, as a as a gift, wait until the next birthday and buy her a Keurig or something and she'll get super into the Keurig or whatever. Um, take as much ownership of it as I can. Talk to my friends and they'll be like, yeah, you need to tell her to cut that shit out. Um, or they'll say, no, don't say anything. She's going to get super upset. Uh, you know, just figure it out in the budget later. Let her have her coffees. That's all she really spends money on, whatever. Uh, eventually if I determine that, Hey, this is really breaking us. This, you know, this is really putting us in a bad spot. We could use that 240 bucks a month elsewhere. Um, I'm going to go to her. I'm going to be like, Hey, this needs to be fixed. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to tell the truth. This is this is right in Jordan's playbook is just tell the truth. Say, hey, look, I've done the math. Um, I've got it pulled up. Uh, I understand that the coffee is good. I understand that you may not even look at the math. Um, you know, with us, uh, the way it is, is I kind of I kind of make and manage the money uh, and she gets a card and really she doesn't have to ask me to spend money unless it's over a certain amount. So me, she may not even be thinking about how much those coffees really add up to. She may be running through the drive through She may be swiping that card, doesn't really register. She likes her, you know, Breve with three espressos in it. And she's hauling ass out of the, out of the card shop. She may not even know that it's eight bucks. I mean, I do that. I do the same exact thing. Um, literally at the coffee shop. I don't know what I pay for my standard coffee order, probably because I don't get it, you know, enough, but uh, I give them the order. I make sure the order is right. And then I just tune the price out. Uh, so maybe that's what she's doing. Maybe she doesn't even know. So you say, Hey, do you kind of realize how much these coffees are? Uh, and she may go, Oh my gosh, no, I hadn't, I had no clue. Um, I'm not going to do that anymore. She may feel really bad about it. She may be like, well, yeah, but what's the problem? And then you do the math. Uh, and then you say, Hey, look, I, I show her, tell the truth, say, this is why it, it, it really is a pain. Um, you know, this 240 bucks a month, show her the budget, talk about all these things. You should be talking about these things anyway. It shouldn't be that big of a deal. Uh, she should know that 240 bucks a month would hurt the budget because you've already gone over the budget with her. Um, and try to lighten up the load on her. Uh, say, look, 
maybe we do, um, I, you know, I understand that, uh, I get energy drinks every morning and they're $3 a piece. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start going to Sam's and I'm going to buy them in bulk and they're going to be a uh, dollar and a half every time. You know, it's, it's a, it's a silly thing. They don't have the flavor I want, uh, at the Tootin' Totem. So I've got to go to Sam's, um, or they don't have the flavor I want at Sam's. Uh, they've only got a toot and totem. That's why I pay the extra price for it. But I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to get the orange instead of the uh, the lemon lime and uh, buy them in bulk so that they're cheaper. That frees up a little bit more money for you to have your coffees. If you'll cut them out on, on Mondays and Tuesdays, you don't even really go to work on those days. Uh, or, you know, Sundays we go to church. Uh, let's Let's cut this back just a little bit. I'm going to do my best to cut back. Uh, understand that you like your coffee. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to tell the truth and say, hey, look, I understand that you like these things. This is what I'm dealing with. And this is this is the impact that it's having. Um, sooner rather than later, this this cycle is typically like a two week cycle for me uh, when I've noticed something. Uh, it typically is about a two week cycle. I'll take ownership for three or four days, uh, take complete ownership for three or four days. Uh, I'll bring it up to her, tell her how I'm taking ownership for three or four days, uh, saying, hey, this is a little frustrating, but uh, I'm going to try to figure it out. Yeah, uh, your coffees are are kind of expensive, but I'm going to see if I can find it anywhere in the budget. I'm going to see if there's anywhere that I can cut out. Um, I spend more money than you anyway. Uh, Let me see if I can can cut some stuff out and make it work. Um, Actually do that uh, for a couple days and see if you can make it work. Then I do a friend check, see if there's any other ways that you can take ownership. And then if it's still frustrating me, I, I talk about it. I bring it up to her and and create a culture in your marriage that it's okay to talk about these things. And she knows that you're not just going to blow up at her about it and um, remove any sort of the guilt from from the equation. You don't want to make her feel guilty for something. Um, and you're just going to talk about the truth and bring up literally um, anything that 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 passes through those filters uh, try to bring it up. You know, he says here again, uh, he says under such circumstances, there's nothing but a fight, a fight with peace as the goal that will reveal the truth, but you remain silent and you convince yourself it's because you are a good peace, loving partner, patient person, and nothing could, uh, nothing could be further from the truth. And the monster under the rug gains a few more pounds, uh, maybe a fortnight conversation, a forthright conversation about sexual dissatisfaction, might have been the proverbial stitch in time, not that it would be easy. So basically what he's saying here is that it, it could hurt having some of these conversations. And he's talking about uh, some bigger some bigger aspects, you know, like the the laugh. That would make somebody feel really in, really insecure. Um, you know, it's funny, Dale and I, we've, we've had a, a conversation about this, but one that was kind of tough and that's still a struggle uh, was her, she doesn't automatically say thank you when somebody says a compliment or does something she she has this social awkwardness about her where when she feels like everybody's looking at her all she can think about is like the next subject or you know it was just beaten into me that the next thing you say is thank you whether you mean it or not if somebody says oh your hair looks nice you say thank you thank you sir yep thank you ma'am uh when somebody gives you a gift you immediately say thank you uh it's not as automatic as you might think you know that you're supposed to be thankful you know that hey when, can I please have something they give it to you you say thank you but when somebody surprises her with something, um, she feels like she's the center of attention and she doesn't just automatically say thank you. It's not that she's not thankful. Uh, it's not that, you know, she's ungrateful. Uh, really, it's it's an overwhelming gratitude where she just kind of um, 
her her hard drive, her disc, her DVD going on in her head just kind of skips a little bit and skips to the next thing, um, trying to move the conversation forward. She's not a, and she doesn't really like to do conversations either. Um, she likes to talk, but she has a hard time figuring out where the conversation needs to go sometimes. Uh, and so, you know, throwing a thank you in the middle of there, she's focusing so hard on where to take the conversation next that it just doesn't doesn't trigger. Well, that was something that made her feel really bad when I had first brought it up. Um, and I'm not saying that as a 17 year old, I did it very well. Cause I mean, this, this goes back years and years and years, but, um, the best thing that I could do is try to figure out a, a way to present it that didn't make her feel guilty and self-conscious about it. Self-conscious is kind of about, she should be self-conscious about it or self-awareness versus self-conscious, but, um, it didn't make her have like bad self-esteem, uh, about it and didn't make her feel like a bad person for not saying thank you. It was like, Hey, look, I understand, but. Um, it, it makes me cringe when I don't hear an immediate thank you. So can we, you know, try to, try to clean that up a little bit and then we work on it. And something that I do is, uh, if it's a, if it's something for both of us, um, while she's sitting there looking at it like, or a compliment, somebody says, uh, you know, oh my gosh, y'all's house is so pretty. I try to, so I try to go, oh man, really? Thank you. You know, I appreciate it so much and kind of relieve that a little bit from her, even if they're talking directly to her. Uh, I'll butt in and I'll be like, oh, thank you. That's just so awesome. Um, or I'll make it a joke. They'll be like, your earrings are so pretty. And I'll give her like two seconds and I'll be like, thank you. I bought them, even though I didn't buy them or something like that. Um, I try to help her out a little bit, but uh, the biggest, the, the best way that I've I've learned to help her out is just when she does it, wait until the couple's not there or wait until uh, we're not in company. Let it, let it be kind of cringy. Uh, do my best to to step in. And then after the event, I'm like, hey, you didn't say thank you. Uh, when they complimented you and she'll be like, damn it. you know, and she, she gets kind of frustrated, but now it's more of like a, a game versus a self-conscious thing. Um, so where was I going with that? Oh, is, you know, these, these conversations can be difficult. Again, this is a, we're been together for seven years. Um, and we went through our first Christmas together, which was where it was really noticeable. Uh, our first Christmas together, we, you know, we started dating in April of 16. So, um, when I brought it up, it was probably after that first Christmas. And so we'd only been dating. What, what is four minus 12? What is that? Eight months? Um, eight months we were only dating. And again, I'm sure I'd, at 17 years old, I didn't bring it up in the best way possible. Uh, but we've been dealing with this for, you know, for seven years and it's still a thing. Um, but she's gotten a lot better and it was a hard conversation when it started because it made her feel self-conscious. It made her feel like she was rude. Um, not that I intended that, but that's the way it is. Uh, and we've just had to slowly chip away at it. Uh, and that's what Jordan's saying here is that, um, under such circumstances, there is nothing but a fight, uh, a fight with peace as the goal. Uh, and, and I will a little asterisk, asterisk here, asterisk, asterisk, um, asterisk, I don't know. Um, a little caveat here is that my wife is, is more agreeable than most. Uh, and that's not a bad thing either, but my wife is more of an, oh, okay, that's fine than most. Uh, I know some women that even if you brought this up with them, uh, they would probably push back a lot harder than Dylan did. Um, a lot harder than Dylan did. Uh, it's still worth pushing. It's still worth saying something about, uh, even if it's going to be hell. Uh, a lot of times what that is, is they really couples just don't know how to have those conversations. Um, really couples just don't know. You could say it's, it's stubborn. Um, you can, it's funny. Uh, we have a, 
a couple friend and we we blame it on her ancestry often uh but you know you can say that oh that's just the way she is she's argumentative and if you bring it up um she's gonna lose it she doesn't like being criticized well uh, neither does anybody um grow up okay uh go get a job in the real world and then you'll learn that you have to be criticized uh pretty often and so um but it comes with practice and it comes with you being truthful about it and saying, Hey, look, uh, you know, I, I really, I'm concerned for you because when, you know, you open a present, um, I feel the room tense up when you don't say thank you. I know you don't really feel it. Um, I know that you're trying to just kind of get on to the next thing. I know it, it makes you nervous, uh, but you need to say thank you. You know, I feel it and I don't want it to reflect poorly on you. And I know that you're thankful and, and, and you need to express that. Uh, and again, some of you may have, have wives that would push back on that, may have girlfriends that would absolutely blow up on that. Um, and I would say that I, d I don't really have much for you other than the fact that I know it still needs to be talked about. And so find a way, figure it out, figure out a way to say it. Um, also make sure, make sure that you're, you're presenting it well. Um, this is why I do the friend check, because if I determine that I need to say something to her, I do the friend check. And again, my friends are a lot more cautious than I am about bringing something up to somebody. Uh, they'll be like, or to especially their significant other, they're like, yeah, I just don't really want to upset her or yeah, I man, it's really not worth the fight. And I'll say, well, I think I'm going to bring it up, but um, what do you think about me saying this? And they'll be like, oh no, I definitely wouldn't say that. And typically they always object. Uh, most of the time they always object. Uh, but to varying degrees of objection. And that's when I know that I've hit the sweet spot. <laughs> if some of my friends, if they go, yeah, I don't know if it's just, it's just not worth the fight. Uh, then I'll be like, okay, that's perfect. Uh, or if they say, oh man, no, I definitely wouldn't say that. Then I'm like, all right, that's, that's probably a little harsh. Um, but also make sure that what you're saying, um, is actually what you think you're saying. I've, I've got another buddy that I'm not going to out him on here. And, um, you know, it's, it's it's anonymous, so uh, he's not going to know who he is. But he says something. He's like, "Yeah, I brought it up, and I told her this, and you know, just kind of laid out the facts." And I and he was like, I, "I was being pretty gentle about it." And I'm like, "Well, brother, you better have been very gentle versus what you just told me." <laughs> like, um, if you said exactly what you just said to me to her, uh, of course it's going to piss her off. Like, I could have told you that um, before you ever started. Like, I, I could have told you not to not to present it like that, um, or it was funny because he would tell me, he would be like, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at bringing stuff up with her and we're, we're really cool. And, uh, you know, I've really learned a lot and I'm really trying to, to be gentle and communicate in, in her terms and stuff like that. And then, um, they were sitting in front of us and they were talking about an issue and he brought it up and he was a little like blunt to be honest, which not that I've, I've never been accused of being too blunt, but, um, I just kind of heard what he said and I was like, yeah, that's a lot different than what you told me. It was like <laughs> that, that when you, when you, when you told me about that on the, on the phone, that was, that was a lot different, um, than what you said it was. So yeah, no wonder that she's not, uh, she's not open to your gentle communication about this issue, uh, because it's not gentle at all. Like no wonder you, you idiot. Uh, no wonder that she's, uh, not open to your, uh, your gentle communication. Um, so <laughs> make sure that what you're saying, uh, make sure that what you're saying is actually, uh, what you think it it's coming off the way that you think it is. 
because uh, like I said, I've heard that from a lot of guys is that I'm very careful with my word choice and sometimes I can still be a lot way too blunt for DLN. I'm not saying that I can't be, but also I'm very careful with my words. Uh, and I know a lot of guys that are like, yeah, my wife would never be okay with that. And then I hear them talk about it. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's because you're an ass, you know, like it's because you're an ass about it. <laughs> like you can't just go to your wife and, and, and say that. Uh, and a lot of people think that that's kind of rich coming from me. Uh, but also y'all don't hear the way that I actually bring up real issues with my wife. Y'all hear the jokes that I tell, um, y'all hear, you know, her and I bantering back and forth at a party. Uh, that's not how we actually resolve issues. It's, it, it's really not typically. And let's talk about that. I guess. What time is it? Um, we're at 30 minutes. Um, we're at 30 minutes. So that's, that's not how I resolve issues. Typically what I do, and this isn't the best either, but I'll go and I'll be like, Hey, why, why are you upset? Um, well, if I, if I'm bringing it up, I'll be like, Hey, um, can we talk about something that is really kind of upsetting me? And of course she gets all nervous cause she doesn't know what it is. Um, she thinks a right hook is coming her way or something. Uh, and so I'll, I'll be like, it's, it's really not that big of a deal, but, um, when you do this, it really kind of frustrates me. Uh, when you do this, it makes me feel this way. And, uh, and, uh, Blake Flannery, uh, Blake Flannery, I forget which episode it was. He talked about using I statements. I don't know if those are I statements, um, but I always try to make sure to communicate what is happening and how it's making me feel uh, before I ever communicate a solution. So again, for example, um, sorry guys, uh, got a runny nose today. Um, I'll say DL and hey, I just wanted to kind of bring this up. Um, you know, there's there's times that uh, when you get a present from my family, uh, and we all open them because what we do is we take turns and open them. If you've got 20 presents, we're going to take 20 turns, uh, and, and open presents. We don't just all open them at the same time because everyone wants to see what you got. Uh, everybody, you know, you have to, you need to pay your respect to the person that got you the present. That's, that's the idea. And we do that by taking the time to actually open the presents. Uh, her family does not do that. They all open them at the same time. Uh, six in one, half a dozen in the other really doesn't matter to me. Um, but she's just not used to it. We've already talked about this and we belabored the point, but I'll bring it up and I say, Hey, it really makes me cringe. Um, it makes me cringe because it was beaten into me, uh, that, you know, the moment you open a, a, a present, what is it? The, Oh, an avocado. Thanks. Uh, that was beaten into me. Uh, whether you like it or not, you say, Oh, cool. Thank you so much. Um, and then you, and you mean it, you are thankful that they bought you a gift. What, no matter what it is or not, you say, thank you. Um, first thing you do, you look at them and you say, thank you. Or you look at the camera and you say, thank you. Uh, it's kind of like the, uh, the one where you open the card and you're like reading the card with all the money falling out. That's what you do. Uh, and, and I tell her like, Hey, um, I love you very, very much. Uh, you are the best, uh, in my eyes is probably the best that you can look uh, at some of these events because I love you so much. Uh, and it makes me cringe. It makes me hurt. Um, when, you know, I see you get a gift and you don't immediately say thank you. Um, and I tell her, I understand that you are still thankful. I understand that, uh, it's not that, you know, it's not that you're not thankful, but this is how I feel. Typically we'll go through that. And, then it's just reply based. You know, if she gets super, super upset about it, 
I'll back off a little bit and I'll be like, Hey, you know, I, I, I get it. Um, but I don't think that you're a bad person, whatever you handle it that way. Uh, if it's something that we're already upset about, maybe it's, it's something that we're frustrated about. A lot of guys would just let it go. So for example, um, man, we, we talk about a bunch of different stuff. My, my wife and I do, but, um, something like her work schedule, uh, that was a, that was a big deal for a long time is that, uh, they would never get her a solid work schedule. They would never give her like an, okay, you're going to work Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, from two o'clock to 10 o'clock. They would never do that. And it was always really frustrating to me because I would try to plan things or, uh, she would be like, well, I don't know. We haven't gotten the schedule yet. And they would send out the schedule for the next week on Sunday. <laughs> so like, you don't even know what you're working on Monday for sure until they schedule out until they send the schedule out on Sunday. And it was super infuriating for a long time for me. Um, and so we would kind of have a little bit of an argument about it of like, Oh, when are you working next week? Oh, well, I don't know. And I'm like, well, I thought you got that handled. I thought you got a, a, a set schedule. Anyway, I digress. And so when we're, we're upset about it, a lot, a lot of guys would be like, Oh, whatever, just let it go. You can't really control it. It's not worth fighting about this every two weeks. Uh, it's not worth fighting about this every month. Um, just let it go. And then they don't talk about it for me that can't stand. And so my process, what I'm trying to get at is my process for going and talking about those, these things. Um, especially if I feel like I'm, I'm in the right, or especially if I feel, uh, like I, I, I like to stick to what I think is right. I don't like to go away from the truth. I don't, I don't like to be like, okay, well, we'll just agree to disagree or, well, you know, we're both right. It's either I'm wrong and I'm more than willing to take the wrong position. Um, I, I vet that very well, but if I feel like I'm right, I don't like to come off of that really at all. If I feel like it's more correct for her to have a set schedule, um, I'm very, very reluctant to come off of that. Uh, because I, I, I don't like to back away from the truth. She has to, she, she has to justify that to me as to why her plan of not having a set schedule is better than my plan. Um, makes more sense for her, for the family than my plan. And I believe that that is, I believe that's your duty in, in this discussion is to make sure that there is proper justification, uh, for the argument so that we truly do have a better solution going forward. You should consider everything that she says. You should 100% consider it. Uh, and you should be willing to be wrong when you're wrong. Uh, if she says, Hey, look, I'm not bringing this up because I know for a fact they're going to hire another person. Give me like two more months. I promise it's, it's going to be fine. Or they're going to go to school. Maybe it's an actual set thing. Uh, they're going to go to school. Give me like two more months and I promise it'll be better. Then you go, okay, all right. But in two months, you know, if it, if it doesn't get better, then we really have to nail it down. Uh, so be willing to be wrong, be willing to be flexible, uh, but don't make it be justified. And so typically I'll come to her and I'll be like, okay, why are you upset with this? Like, what is, what is the part that is upsetting you? Because I can't find, I, I can't find the part where I'm just blatantly wrong about this. I'm, I'm searching, I'm trying, but th- most of the problem is that she, she talks less than I do. She says less than I do. And so I have to go and search and typically I have to be pretty blunt. What is your problem with what I am saying? What is your problem with having a set schedule? Is it the fact that um, you don't want a set schedule because you're scared of the way that they'll set it? Is it that you don't want to go and push your your supervisor? Is it that you don't want to have that conversation with them? Um, is it because you simply just don't want to? Um, what is your what is your objection to what I'm proposing here? 
I'll ask and I'll try to get legitimate feedback from her. And then I go through and I say, okay, this is my problem. This is why I am objecting to the, I'll, I'll directly address the point of why she's upset. Uh, if she says, well, I just don't think that we need to bring it up with them. I'll ask why. And she'll say, well, um, I, I just hate having these conversations with them. And that's, that's pretty common. And she'll say, I, I don't know how to have this conversation with them. I don't know how to push them. Um, I don't, it makes me really uncomfortable. I go to have these conversations with them and I get red. I get anxi- anxiety. Uh, this is actually the truth with my wife is she doesn't like having those hard conversations. Um, and so I'll say, okay, that's a whole lot different than just, you know, a middle finger in the air. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm not going to get a set schedule. That's a whole lot different. Okay. Uh, if it's the conversation that we're worried about, not necessarily the schedule, maybe she do, she does want a set schedule, but because she doesn't want to talk about it, she's justifying the crazy schedule. Um, she's justifying the crazy schedule because she doesn't want to actually get a set schedule. And that's very often the case. Very often what you think is the problem is not actually the problem. And this is why you need to do more asking questions than you do solving problems. So I always try to get down to the root of the problem before I propose any drastic solutions. And then I say, okay, okay, I get it. Well, what if I help you have that hard conversation? What if we sit down and we talk about it? What if we sit down and we write an email? Uh, what if we sit down and we find other ways to, to force a set schedule? Um, what if you take, what if you take off every Saturday for the next four weeks? Um, and then they just can't schedule you on a Saturday. Uh, and so what do they have to do? They have to schedule you Monday to Friday. Um, let's get creative. Let's find other solutions, um, to help you have this conversation and to help get the result we're really looking for. Uh, very, very often. So like, again, the laugh, um, let's say that, uh, she has just a, a really, really, um, obnoxious laugh. And in public, that's what he says. Uh, He says, but perhaps braying like a donkey in the midst of a social gathering is not reflecting well on your partner. Um, Somebody says something slightly funny. And I I think of like a movie scene with a bunch of high class people. um, And somebody says something slightly funny and she just absolutely dies laughing. And everybody's like, wow, what drugs are you on? You know, Um, her laugh is just obnoxious. And they're like, wow, why? You know, okay. And they leave, you know. Um, maybe the problem is not that she actually thinks it's funny. Maybe she's just so nervous that it's, it's a, it's a nervous tick, nervous laughter. What can you do to help her feel comfortable? Uh, what can you do to, um, help her feel like she doesn't have to overly laugh at some, at certain things? Uh, again, I know I'm over talking this a little bit, but it's very, very important to understand, uh, a few things. Let's, let's get a little bit, let's get some tactical solutions. Cause I know I'm, I'm over talking. Um, you know, solution number one is that, uh, if you think it needs to be talked about, talk about it. Uh, if you think it needs to be argued about, argue about it, have the discussion. Um, don't let anything right here. Jordan said it. There is little in a marriage that is so little that it is not worth fighting about. I don't really like the word fighting. I've said that multiple times. I think it's bad context. Um, and actually I I really wish Jordan wouldn't use the word fighting. I, I think he uses the word fighting because the whole thing is about, um, he sees fighting as a, as kind of a virtue standing up for yourself. Um, maybe more fighting for the marriage than anything. Um, maybe that's why he uses the word fighting. I don't really like it. Uh, I don't have fights. I don't have fights with my wife or maybe I've had one, but if it gets to fight territory, we back up something, something messed up. 
and I know this is kind of a pedantic point, uh, but don't fight with your wife. Don't fight with your wife. Uh, when you read this chapter of 12 Rules for Life, sug that, uh, su- sug, uh, sub that for uh, the word fighting for discussion or discussing. Uh, there is little in a marriage that is so little it is not worth discussing about or not worth discussing. Um, I don't like the word fighting. I think too many people uh, go into marriages expecting a fight, a knockdown drag out, and that's exactly what they get. I can tell you after after two and a half years of marriage, seven years of being together, it does not have to be a knockdown drag out. My wife is more agreeable than most, uh, but I'm also very, very disagreeable. <laughs> so there have been plenty of circumstances where uh, I have pushed her too far, uh, but I also have the self-awareness to know that when I've pushed her just a little bit too far and we don't get to the point of of, of really fighting. Again, there is one time, one time that Dion and I have yelled at each other ever. And I've told the story a couple times. Um, there's one time that we have yelled at each other ever. Uh, it was, I think the problem was probably something else. Uh, I think that she was really upset about some other things. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, I was kind of being an ass and, uh, it got to, it just got to the point to where we were yelling at each other about something that it really wasn't even, wasn't even the thing. And since then, not at all. We were both really disgusted with ourselves, uh, that it even happened once. And it's a common occurrence for a lot of couples. They yell across the house and slam a door. Um, it, it's, it's not good. Don't do that. Don't do that. If it gets to that point, back away, find the real problem. I guarantee you, if you get to that point, you're probably not discussing the real problem. Okay. Almost put a paycheck down that if you get to that point, you're probably not talking about the real problem. Um, so anyway, there's nothing too little that isn't worth discussing. Um, take ownership, uh, take ownership of the issue. Do your best to take ownership. Bring it up with them. Let them know how you're taking ownership. Uh, run a friend check. Run it by a buddy. And and there is there is strategy. Let me put that in there. There is strategy for me bringing it up to them before I bring it up to a buddy. It's because they should be the first ones to know. Um, if you have an issue for with your with your significant other, uh, I think that they should be the first ones to know personally. Um, I'm not incredibly good at this just because I talk to a lot of people about what's going on. Uh, and so sometimes I may intend to talk, to talk about it, uh, with DL in this evening, but Bret Hart gives me a call at 11 and it just kind of slips that I'm frustrated with DL because it's on my mind. Uh, I don't mean to, I, I try very, very hard to make sure that if I'm frustrated with her, I give her the opportunity to take ownership of it. I give her the opportunity to, um, solve it, to help me not be frustrated. Um, before I ever try to take it to somebody else, because I don't want to, um, I want to try to paint the best picture of my wife that I can, uh, to my friends, aside from the jokes and the sarcastic comments. Yes, I know I'm a conundrum. Um, I try to paint the best picture of my wife to my friends, uh, as, as I, as I can, um, because she is awesome. She is amazing. So I don't want to go to them and be like, man, I'm, I'm frustrated with dealing for this reason. Uh, if she's just going to fix it, she may just fix it. Um, you know, I may go to her and I'll be like, maybe like, Hey, uh, the thank you thing, it frustrates me. And she goes, yep, got it. Good. Um, didn't even realize it. Uh, we're good to go. And I don't have to bring it up to anybody other than the fact that it was a successful, <laughs> it was a successful attempt at solving a problem. Um, that's what I can bring up, not a, an open wound that needs to be fixed. So, uh, anyway, uh, try to take ownership of the issue, do your best and not even try do take ownership of the issue. Find a way that you're at fault. Fix that way that you're at fault. Uh, bring it up to your significant other and say, hey, look, 
is there anything else that I can do to take ownership of this? Anything else that I can do to take care of your coffees? Uh, anywhere else that I can cut my budget to take care of your coffees and mean it, okay? Go to her and say, look, I want you to have all of your coffees every single day. Um, I really do because I know you enjoy it. I want you to have coffee seven days a week. And I just need you to help me figure out how to make that possible. I, it's, it's frustrating me because it's putting us in a pinch, but I understand it. Here's what I'm trying to do to fix it. Do you have any other suggestions? Um, give her the opportunity to take ownership of that. Honestly mean it. Um, if she comes back to a, a, you know, a way with a way that says, Hey, I, here's my coffee seven days a week. Uh, I can save 75% on this run with it. Take it, take what you can get. Let her take ownership of that issue. The problem is solved. Move on. Um, after you bring it up to her, uh, again, this is not a, you need to fix it. This is a, Hey, this is kind of upsetting me, but I'm trying not to be upset about it. Uh, I'm not 100% sure that you're in the wrong yet, but this is, this is a thing now, uh, then run it by a friend check. And if you're still upset, uh, then you come back and say, okay, I think that this is the issue. This is how I would like to see you change it. Um, and then still be open to taking fault, uh, and, and get down to the real problem. When the discussion starts to happen, get down to the real problem. Um, I mean, for real, if again, I can give you a thousand different examples. Uh, if the fridge is left open every single morning, uh, why don't we set your alarm clock five minutes earlier? It's probably not because she's just a, you know, a forgetful jerk that, that leaves the fridge open. Uh, it may be that she's hustling out the door, uh, help her wake up five minutes earlier. <laughs> um, again, I know these things aren't easy, uh, but get to the real problem, find the real problem and, uh, and, and fix it. So guys, I think I have beat this horse to death. Uh, let's see, I'm looking at, yeah, 45 minutes. Um, bring it up guys. And this, this is last thing I have to give credit to my mom here. Uh, my mom's parents, uh, divorced, not a good thing. Sounded extremely ugly. It sounded like there was fault on, on both sides. Um, a lot of fault on both sides. Sounded like neither of them wanted to take any of that fault. Uh, and something that I remember my mom telling me really early, um, I thank God every day for, for my ability to remember conversations, because if I didn't, I would never, um, I would never have gotten this far, uh, in life at all. Um, especially not this early. And so a little pat on, on my back, I guess, but I remember specifically sitting in the car and asking her why her parents were divorced, uh, asking her, you know, what happened? Uh, you know, why would a married couple break up? And I remember very specifically, uh, she said, well, what I learned from it most was that, um, you know, it's always worth arguing about. It's always worth arguing about. And I think she even used the word fighting, uh, is that she said, it's always worth fighting about, always worth fighting about. Um, I remember that very, very clearly. And, um, I don't, you know, yeah, it's, it's always worth, worth arguing about. It's always worth fighting about. I remember being in the car when she told me that, uh, I remember the conversation. Um, I remember what and why she said it. And it has stuck with me to this day. Uh, and it, honestly, I think it bled into a lot of my friendships too, uh, to, to psychoanalyze, do some Freudian analysis or whatever. Uh, I think it, it bled into a lot of my friendships too. Uh, it's why I'm a very tough friend to deal with is because I think it's always worth talking about. Um, if, if you were, you know, 20 minutes late to, to lunch and it slightly irritated me, I'm gonna be like, Hey dude, why were you 20 minutes late to lunch? Like that's frustrating. Uh, but also I'm able to, when I talk about it, I'm able to move on pretty quickly. Um, 
I for maybe I'm wrong, guys. Tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, if you're my friend and you hear this and you think I'm I'm full of shit, tell me. Uh, but I I do think that I I can forgive pretty easy. I don't really hold on to grudges so long as they're talked about. Um, I have my lines. I don't like them to be crossed, but uh, this stuff is applicable to friendships and relationships, um, work relationships all of those things. And so I remember that very, very clearly. It's, it's one thing that will always stick, stick with me. And it's something I do have to give credit to my mom for. Um, remember with moderation, if you're taking ownership, that that's the biggest key, take ownership of these issues. Cause if you're not taking ownership and you're just, that's the difference in being uh, a whiny bitch and, uh, being somebody that, that actually solves problems. Being a leader, honestly, is taking ownership of those issues, uh, before you bring these problems up. Uh, and you know, Jocko would go so far as to say, I, I don't think it works very well in a marriage. Honestly, a lot of Jocko points work very well in a marriage, but there is a line to where you can only take so much ownership. I really believe there's a line that you can only take so much ownership, uh, before you have to bring it up with somebody else. Like, Hey, this is what you do. This is how I, I really think you need to fix it. Uh, in your friendships and your work relationships, honestly, you can take 100% ownership of the issues. Uh, and, and, and move on and not much needs to be talked about. Uh, so, and that was probably a lot of the problem in my friendships is that I wasn't really taking ownership of the issues. Uh, I just wanted to talk about them and bring them up. And now in my friendships, when I try to take ownership of the issues, uh, I really don't complain about much with my friends, uh, really much at all. Again, tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, cause I might be, but much better than what I was two years ago, much better than what I was two years ago. I know that for a fact. Uh, it may still be awful, but way better than what I was two years ago. So that's the most critical part is taking ownerships before you bring something up. And that filter will, will, uh, will get a lot of the bullshit out of there. It'll get a lot of the meaningless fights out of there. Um, guys, I think that's, that's all I've got. Take ownership, find the real problem. Um, bring it up. There's nothing too small, uh, to be discussed. Nothing too small that isn't worth discussing. Uh, that's all I've got for you. Tune in on Sunday to uh, the Sunday series of the Purpose Podcast. Um, we should have a pretty cool guest on today. I know I tell you that every time. Sorry, I shouldn't say anything. Uh, hopefully it doesn't fall through, but we should have a pretty cool guest on uh, to talk to us. And uh, guys, I really appreciate it. Go find and fulfill that purpose, my dudes.